What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I am your host, Brett McGrath. Excited to share this one with you. I got my man, Austin Carlson. You know him at Carlson Cards. We met up at the Midwest Monster in Fishers, Indiana. We were chatting. I was like, this guy, need to have him on the podcast. He's going to a lot of shows, talking to a lot of people. We talk about his start in the hobby, why he goes to shows, and what he's collecting. If you like what I'm doing over here, hit the subscribe button, follow, whatever the buttons are. Most importantly, tell a damn friend that you're enjoying the Stag and Slabs podcast. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. Excited uh, to be bringing this conversation to you all today. I met today's guests in person at the Midwest Monster, stopped by his booth, Um, we've been chatting back and forth and I figured he goes to a lot of shows, a lot to talk about. So he'd be a good guest for this conversation, but without further ado, I'm joined by Austin Carlson. You know him on Instagram at Carlson cards. He also has a pretty, uh, awesome YouTube channel where he's post, uh, posting videos about just his collection, what he's up to at shows and a bunch of other things. But Without further ado, Austin, welcome. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. It is crazy being on the back end of this. You know, you're doing the intro here. I see you, you see your face doing it. It's like, oh, this is how it sounds. Pretty cool. But yeah, long time listener, long time fan. So it's great chatting with you over the last months. And then being on here is a really cool opportunity. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. And we were getting a chance to catch up before I hit record. And I we were talking college sports. And maybe it would be a good just uh, background to let the listeners know a little bit about your college experience. And you maybe had kind of a one of a kind little deal at this school you went to. So maybe brief us all on kind of what that experience was like. And I'm sure that plays into your sports fandom and collecting at some level. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I'm from Wisconsin. Uh, always been a Badger fan, Packer fan, Bucks, uh, Brewers to some extent. I watch baseball. but. Uh, so when college came around, you know, I was in high school, I want to be an engineer. So I went to University of Wisconsin, Madison. Um, and while there, I so I was like a roommate or something. I mentioned this job opening for like a, you know, tech services coordinator at the athletic department. Um, so I applied and, you know, it was awesome. I got it. It was like literally the best college job ever. So we were chatting a little bit. Basically, you work at tech services. You'd help out the stats guys from ESPN. You'd set up the computer before the game. You'd get there about an hour early. Uh, then you sit there during the game. If there's an issue, you contact, you know, someone from the actual full-time guys that know what they're doing. You know, we were just kind of helpers there. Um, but yeah, we were, you know, we were chatting too. I'd been to a ton of crazy games, really cool ones. Um, you know, we had touched on when we beat uh, Purdue when they were number one. We had like Ethan Happ was our biggest guy. Um, so it's, you know, it's funny seeing all these guys, even like, you know, watching JT and even bumping into him, you know, walking around Camp Randall uh, while you work during the school day and stuff like that. So uh, really cool, the connection there. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I said, sports fandom through and through, and uh, that was just a cool way for me to connect, you know, technical background. I like computers, stuff like that. And then I also got to tie it to sports because, you know, I wasn't good enough to be on the football field, but I sure as hell love being at the game. So I, I have to ask you, and I know he's been hurt and I hope uh, he's coming back uh, this week against the evil Tennessee Titans. But <laughs> I, I got to ask you a little bit about watching uh, Jonathan Taylor in college. Um, I think, you know, last year he had a, pretty um amazing season he's been hurt this year and um you know colts kind of got off to a rocky start um but i this guy is just like he does everything a running back could you'd want a running back to do he can block catch he 
runs in space. He's shifty. He can break tackles. Just an insane running back. So obviously I watch this guy every week. I'm a fan of him. What did you, when you were watching him, you know, going to the games and um, watching this kid play, obviously he had a really strong college career, but so often that doesn't translate into a successful NFL career. Did you have an inclination that he'd be a special player or kind of what was going on in, in your head as you were watching him um, kind of on Saturdays in Madison? Yeah, it's funny. Cause you mentioned, you know, that college guys don't pan out, right? We had, Monte Ball, if that rings a bell, <laughs> yeah. right? That was when I was pretty young. Um, but I went to a few games for him too, and he broke like the touchdown record against Ohio State or tied it or whatever. I was there for that game. As you remember, these guys like him who were just unstoppable. And they get to the NFL, have problems, they don't do anything, right? Even Morton, to some extent, you know, he's a complete monster at Madison. Yeah, he's had a good NFL career. I'm not going to say it's, you know, been bad. It's just not the superstar that all of a sudden Jonathan Taylor is. So, you know, him coming out, it was just more or less like, Come on, break the cycle. Like, you know, we, we see all these awesome guys, Wisconsin's in my mind, running back you, right. We pump out these guys, Doak Walker award winners. And then, you know, he got there now seems like the perfect fit. Cause I was talking to you too, right. When he got drafted at the Colts, it was like everyone that I worked with was like, that is insane. That's literally the perfect fit. They have such a good team. They just don't really have a good running game. They have a good offensive line, not the case now, but they did have a good offensive line. So, um, you know, I had that inkling, but it, it's been a total surprise to me. You see the guys special, but just the, level of output. I mean, MVP contender, like there's just no way you can expect that. And I can't say I did, to be honest with you. I, and I, you've got, you, you touched upon a bunch of them uh, running back you and I, this might date me a little bit, but I got to give a shout out to Ron Dane. I know all the oh, people yeah, out uh, there. Yeah, it's totally <laughs> my mind. a little before me, but yeah, that's a big one. That's actually bigger than them all. So, but again, like didn't necessarily pan out in the NFL, but was a killer in college. Um, I, I want to, uh, before we get into it, I saw something you post yesterday. Actually, my brother at McGrath card, shout out Kyle. I know you're listening, but he sent me, he didn't know we were talking, but he oh, okay. sent me, he sent me on a DM of, uh, the video that you posted of your <laughs> Manning, like, uh, it was like, a, I've never refractor or ref- refractor slab booklet, whatever you got going. So I want to yeah. know about that because that is coming too off the heels of uh, Ryan. I don't know if you saw this mind cycle cards posting his, uh, his, uh, kind of, uh, for his binder of mm-hmm. all the Denver nuggets, prism gold, including his Nicolo yeah. Jokic card, a uh, gold prism in the freaking binder, which it, mm-hmm. everyone was like, this is absurd. So maybe talk a little bit about what the hell that was that we saw. I'd love to learn a little more and I'm sure we'll repost it. So if you didn't get a chance to see it, you, you can check it out. Yeah, no, it's super funny. So actually I didn't see that Jokic thing until after the fact, which is just weird. Uh, shout out Brooklyn Barry bright. If I got his name right on Instagram, we've chatted a little bit. I know we're in the same Manning chat with you. Um, you know, he, he posted a video of just some crazy cards and then cardboard chronicles had posted something, you know, like he talks about this a lot, but like collector content and stuff like that. And you talk about it too. And I was like, you know, I was at a show yesterday. I had these, um, had these binder pages I picked up so you can put PSA slabs in a binder. They're like hard plastic, super cool. I'd love to say I thought of the invention cause I did. And then I looked on eBay and they already existed. I was like, damn it. I just sold so many for these guys yesterday, probably. But yeah, so I posted it because I, you know, I, I had been at the show and was thinking like, why don't I put my patents in here? That would be such a cool way to display them. Cause right now they're just doing you know, a safety deposit, just sitting there. Well, you know, if I go pick them up, it'd be kind of cool to have them all in a binder. Um, and that's how I collected as a kid, you know, I was a Pokemon kid, no sports cards for me, which is kind of funny. 
Um, but yeah, so that's how I collect as a kid. And now, you know, throw those in a binder, be able to flip through it and share that. And I think it resonated with a lot of people. Number one, because they didn't know that existed, these created, you know, uh, card binders. But um, I, I think it's just cool to be able to share that. And something I've been working on for a while, as I'm sure you're aware, you know, I came in and started collecting Peyton and here's kind of where I'm at now. And I get to share it and hope to share, it, you know, next year, same time the thing. Um, but yeah, it was a blast. I was glad I was able to share that. Yeah, no, it was totally cool. And so maybe I'll get into just the show of it all. I know just you've been doing, I would consider you a collector and also a dealer, someone who sets up at a lot of shows and you're kind of, I mean, we met in Indy, you're traveling, you were just at a show, traveling to a lot of shows. I also too met your wife, which meeting uh, a dealer and their wife, like you're sharing this experience with your better half. So maybe like talk a little bit about just like what got you motivated to get out there, start setting up. How did you get your wife involved? How does that all work? Um, maybe start there. So I mentioned college just talked about that. So I graduated right when COVID hit. So my last semester, I was actually at home um, doing the classes, which sucked. You know, you have all your friends in the same college crappy house. You know, you want to go out, have fun. Uh, so we kind of lost that. But after that, I got a job in the auto industry, moved to Detroit. Um, I still work work in the industry. It's just I work remote. So now I live in Wisconsin. Um, but I moved there after college and, you know, COVID was happening. Um, it's really hard because you don't know. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody there. Um, you know, I, I don't meet people from work because I'm not in the office, right? Because of COVID. Um, so I started really like brainstorming because I'm such a extroverted person. I was sitting at home and I could tell it was just not doing good for me. And you can only go on so many walks around the apartment complex before you get bored. Um, so some some video, right? Some video popped up about sports cars. I'd like to say it's probably Gary V, you know, cringe, right? But it, it totally like look at this Giannis card went up in value. And I'll get to the card show thing, I promise. But I had always growing up been a person who garage sailed. My parents and grandparents have done that since eBay existed. So like 1997, they would go to garage sales, sell stuff. I remember still when the BlackBerry came out and you could like look up prices of stuff at sales. It was like a complete game changer. You know, you go find a deal and sell online, mostly a hobby. But when I got to college, I really stepped that up and was selling a lot of retro video games. So I go to sales and um, you see big YouTubers now doing it, but I, at the time there wasn't really anyone as an example. I was kind of figuring out as I went. But then I saw a sports card thing and I was like, okay, I can only go to so many garage sales. There's not a lot going on because of COVID anyway. Um, but I see there's a show nearby this weekend. Okay, you know, maybe I can check this thing out. I don't know anything about it. But, um, and like I mentioned prior, I had no sports card knowledge. This was like uh, beginning of 2020. No, nothing. Like I wasn't a kid coming back to it. I mean, this was just completely fresh for me. Uh, so I went there and just was like, absolutely hooked. Like it was just so cool, you know, interacting with people and talking and just, you know, the, the, your brain just explodes when you see what's out there, all these sets. Cause I had no knowledge, you know, it's just crazy. Oh, there's a shiny thing. That's cool. You know, there's this, and I'll say, I will, you know, shout out like some of those guys in Detroit, because again, I went in there not knowing anybody, um, left that show knowing like five, six people I had really good conversations with. And again, I'm a talker. So it's really, really easy to, you know, start that conversation. I'll just go on and on. Um, but really cool having that opportunity. And then, you know, kind of flip side, I was like, okay, you know, I want to set up because that was really cool interacting with them. Might be a way to make some money too at the time, like cards were going crazy. And um, it was, I'd like to say it wasn't initially why I started, but it was obviously a big deal was the money. Um, and that shifted a lot for me since. I'm sure we'll touch on that. Um, but so that was kind of how I got in. And then my wife connects to this because, um, you know, I'm again, I'm fresh out of college, the cheap college kid. It's like, oh, the table to set up is $50. I'm like, oh man, I don't really want to spend that. Like, what if I don't even, you know, sell enough to cover that? And she, I remember just Venmo me, go to the damn show and sent me 50 bucks. And I was like, okay, 
I'll do it because at the time she was still in college in Wisconsin. So it was a tough time for us too, being separated. And then now to this day, I mean, just continue to go to shows, just love it, meeting people, making those connections. And uh, she comes because she likes seeing me in my element. And then trade off is she gets to pick the restaurant at the end of the night. And we both love traveling. Uh, so, you know, be able to go to like Indy last week, totally new city for her. I've been there a few times um, and try out these restaurants that, you know, she she had on her bucket list, wanted to check out. Um, and that's our agreement. So it's a, it's a blast. And then you know, she has fun meeting like guys like you, right? Like you chat and then like, wow, there's, you know, really cool people here. This is good. Like this is, you know, fun for her too. Cause uh, she's a nurse, you know, works, works as a nurse. Shout out to, shout out to Jen. She's great, but uh, yeah, very supportive of it. That's awesome. Uh, I, one thing I want to dig into there that you, I think this happened with so many people and you have gone through an evolution where you've got like big kind of mainstream type of personality like a Gary V who posts a video mm -hmm. talking about sports cards. And then all of a sudden people who have no connection to sports cards, see him talking about it. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, this looks interesting. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know it, you're buying cards. Next thing you know it, you're collecting cards, you're setting up at shows and it spirals. Now I'm just curious because it's, it seems like so often like when that mainstream voice or celebrity like with cards has, has said like, come check out sports cards, people have come in and then they've left and then they don't come again. But you're kind of maybe an exception to that rule where you not only came in, but you're like, you're evolving, you're loving it. You're having more fun than ever. You're meeting people. Like, what do you think like maybe those qualities are for you as opposed to some of those people who came in and left that kind of makes your experience a little bit different than, you know, some people who aren't here right now. Yeah. And I hope this is kind of a simple, answer. I mean, to some extent, like I mentioned, it was, you know, a good way to maybe side hustle. I'm obsessed with them. You always had fun with those. And that's why, you know, I saw the video and it caught my eye. Um, but I think the biggest thing, like I touched on there, right. I was having a lack of interaction with people. So that to me was why I really got into it. And it's funny because that never goes away, right? There's always somebody to meet. There's always, you know, that kind of thing, but there isn't always a good way to, let's say, make money. Like right now, right? I think a lot of people, once stuff went down, they lost value in their cards. You know, maybe if they're setting up as dealers, they no longer, you know, want to because they can't make the quote unquote, all the money they were making. Right. But for me, it's always been, and, you know, continues to be about meeting people. And like, my biggest thing is shifting from making money and trying to just grab cards that I think everybody wants because they're hot and popular, right? And shifting towards buying cards that I think deserves to be in a collection. I think I'm going to meet someone who's a collector. And then now I have that connection. Like, that's really cool to me. Like, I know when we bumped into each other at the indie show, right? We had chatted about that a little bit because, um, you know, to me, there's such a difference when somebody comes up to your table. Um, you know, you have a card for, let's say, $150 and they say, no, do you take a hundred? The comp is this. I need a little room on it. Versus it, like if someone just comes up to me and says, I, I really love that card, that yeah. player, I think, I, you know, for a hundred dollars, I'd pick that up. Would you sell it? Instantly say yes. Right. And I think that's the big difference that I shifted towards. And it's just been so fulfilling, like the amount of connections you can make. And it's so fun connecting people to cards and like, they'll always remember, oh, I got this from this person and it's sitting in their safe or their case for five, 10, 20 years. And I just think that's so cool. Um, and I think that's kind of what's kept me around is focusing on that part of it. And then the funny thing is when you quit thinking about money, the money comes. That's like, there's some law of attraction rule there, I'm sure. But uh, when you quit thinking about that, you know, thing that really doesn't have any utility at the end of the day, like, right, it's it's not fulfilling. I mean, it is fulfilling, right, to make money and pay for stuff. That's great. But 
the most appealing thing in life. I mean, anyone you ask, it's relationships. And that's, um, I think, what I've led with and really try to have shifted towards and it's worked out. So how does what is in your showcases look now as opposed to maybe what it looked like a year ago or more? What would be kind of the some of the differing qualities that you would call out in terms of like what you have to offer when people are stopping by your booth at a show? Well, you'd be surprised. There's no more like Anthony Davis second year prism. I mean, that's nothing <laughs> more. But um, no, I mean, yeah, at the beginning it was it was really just I think I just touched on this a little bit, trying to appeal to the masses, right? Get the get the new rookie, then overprice it so you can make a little money, to be honest, right? That's what everyone, you know, did at the time. Um and then now, I mean, it's just like, again, at the beginning, uh, right there was like, again, football guys, basketball guys, you know, like these John Moran Zion at the time, like these really hot guys. Now it's like, you guys, people have forgotten about, but the really cool numbered stuff people have never seen for Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, right? Stuff that, and for Peyton, it's always stuff that I have a duplicate for, or it's something I don't collect, or it's, you know, I have a higher grade, right? Or, you know, just football guys like that, because... Um, at these shows, I feel so strongly that like you have to attract them with the cards. You know, you can be the nicest person ever, give the best deals, but if they walk past your table and they don't see something that's unique and like kind of a niche where they're like, wow, that's crazy. I'm going to stop it here. You'll never get them to the table, unfortunately. And, and again, I'm no expert here. A lot of people have been doing it a long, longer than myself, uh, but I've really caught on to that. That's so important. You have to be the guy that is unique and people see stuff they have never seen. And I would say that's pretty strong. And then, like I said, that hooks them in then you kill them with kindness and, you know, the good deal. And then they come back to you and that's ties back to the relationship. So I think that's super important. So on the, we spent some time, I think DMing a little bit on this and I'd love, this isn't a topic that I've talked about with any guests or by myself, but I think it would be, (laughs) it, it would be fun to chat a little bit about just like dealer differentiation where it's like, I go to the Midwest monster. I've got two maybe three hours of time you walk into this room and it's so awesome. There's people everywhere, people looking at showcases, but there's, you know, 350 tables and you're I'm walking and just looking and you want to be nice. You want to talk to everyone, but you don't have the time. And you're seeing the same stuff in showcases over and over. And it's mostly like this kind of flavor of the week, like Mm -hmm. prospect stuff, which is fine. That, service is a specific segment of the hobby and that gets people to come in. But then it's when I stop at certain booths and it's highly curated where it's like, all right, all that's in this case is like four or five players or an era of players. And it's a similar type shiny cards and it's stuff I've never seen before. And all of a sudden you get into this conversation with the person and you can tell that the dealer like, this is stuff that they love and the type of stuff that they collect. So you're hitting it off in a conversation. Then the next thing you know, it like you're buying a card and you're making a new connection. And so to me, what stands out, and it doesn't necessarily need to be the stuff that I collect, but what stands out to me are the dealers at these shows that have more highly curated cases that are different than anyone else. So I feel like that's kind of your showcase. You, when I saw it, we chatted, I looked down, there's Manning, Brady, Breeze, right? Guys that I can appreciate and like, but like maybe talk a little bit about just like what, you, what you're what you seeing and just, does, is that something that gets people to stop? Um, are you having better conversations? Are you getting more sales? Like maybe talk a little bit about that experience on your end. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you hit on it with a really key word there. It's curation, right? 
Um, you really, I, I found for myself, I have to be super deliberate about what I'm putting out and setting up. So because, and this is, again, a little, probably a nuanced topic, but it's funny. You've never talked about this, so I feel like I got to go for it. Go for it. You know, if I'm putting out these new guys, it's, it's what customer am I attracting, right? Well, who do I want to work with and deal with? And it's nothing, again, it's nothing against anybody that, I mean, everyone, most people you meet at shows are fantastic. It's just, I know the most fulfilling connections and the best deals I've had are with people who like the same stuff I like. So if I'm putting out stuff that I don't like, and the person comes up and they want to get a deal on it, you know, they want to talk about the player, the car, well, I don't even like it. So it's not as fulfilling. Like it just does, it feels disingenuous. I'll be honest. It feels very disingenuous to be putting out Josh Allen stuff when great player. I love watching him, but I, I don't care for his cards. It's not my thing. I could do it to make money, but um, those aren't the connections I want to make. I want to make connections with a guy like you or a guy like, um, you know, a lot of these people I ran into in Indy who appreciated the Peyton stuff I had out, right? And the crazy thing with that is, I mentioned this to you too, these guys don't even negotiate. They'll come up and just see your table and see that card and they want it. It's the easiest deals ever because, you know, I'd like to think I'm fairly priced and they, they respect that and see that. I think that is so understated and so important because those are the best transactions when, Again, I go to Kevin, the Captain 37 shout out. I feel like we got to give him one per episode. So there, there we go. Um, when I stop by his table, I can see, clearly see what he collects. Everything is fairly priced. I see the card I want. I either grab it or I throw him a fair offer. Deal is done. So easy. And it's so fulfilling. Feels great. Now I have a card from Kevin in my collection. I'll remember that. And I hope the same goes for others. Um, one other thing I'll just touch on with it too, and like about you know cards you like. I don't collect Kobe Bryant per se. I don't collect Michael Jordan, but I sure as hell appreciate their cards. And I love, you know, love them as players. So I do really like dealing in them and be able to, you know, I, I love grading. I'm sure we'll touch on that. I absolutely love grading. So for me, I really enjoy being able to find the cards for five, $10 at shows and then, you know, grade them, gain some value, right? There's your margin. That's cool. As a dealer, you gain some value and he sells them for a fair price. And these Kobe collectors I chat with, I can appreciate it. It's so cool seeing them be able to grab a card they haven't seen in a show before. And that's what I want to offer at my table. And the final point I'll make is like, it's a price point thing too, right? I'll have a few higher end cards. I'll have a few mid end. And I do have a lot of cheaper slabs because for you know 95% of people, that's what they can afford is the 20, 30, $40, really good looking, cool Kobe card they've never seen before. And again, it comes back, I'll circle back to my first point. It comes back to who are you trying to attract to your table? Who do you want to interact with? Um, and I think that's the biggest, I want to interact with collectors. That's who I enjoy chatting with. Um, and I think that's kind of how I've, you know, over time positioned. And again, it's been a long journey. It's been two years learning every show. Some shows are bad. You know, you don't do well. Some are good. Well, you learn and take away what you can and then improve every time. So one thing you mentioned that I got to hit on was the negotiation component. And it's, uh, the persona of the individual who comes up and doesn't necessarily necessarily feel like they want to negotiate. And I would say it's online experience is a similar thing when you see a card that gets listed on eBay and it's got to buy it now, but to make an offer price, but you hit buy it now because you're so <laughs> terrified that someone else is going to, if you make it yeah, off, we bought on the same cards with that. And then you hit buy it now. And it's like, Oh, I had the offer out there Brett, for like $50 less. I should have just taken the buy it. now fair to begin with. Exactly. So I'm just, I'm curious, like, I don't know, from a dealer perspective, when you're, someone's coming up to your table, like, do you know right away that this individual is interested in a card and is acquiring a card? because they want to go put that into something that they're building and that's their collection, as opposed to, can you also tell when someone's coming up to you and grabbing a card it, because they're going to go try to 
sell it immediately and make a margin. And I'm not saying it matters either way, but I'm just saying like, what's your mindset from a dealer's perspective when you're, when those two types of people are approaching you at a table and you're having a conversation about selling a specific car? Yeah, it's, it's funny. And I, I think maybe I've mentioned this a second ago, but I, oh yeah, I used the $150 example versus 100. I, I mean, this is probably kind of, um, I don't know. It's a difficult thing to say, but right. If I, if I can tell the person appreciates the card and they're going to keep it, I will always give a better deal. And I'm not saying, okay, now everyone listening, come fake it to me. Right. <laughs> you know, the day I'm, I say that now, but I probably give you the same deal. I am fine with people buying from me and making money. I think that's great. I think there's people who do that. And I think there needs to be space for it as a dealer. Right. I had someone last show, he bought, you know, a hundred graded cards for me. Okay, sure as hell, I'm going to give you a good deal if you're buying 100 slabs. I know you're going to make money off it. That's great. Then you'll come back to me. That's fine. Um, but I think the difference, again, with me, it comes back to the relationships. It's the conversational differences. That's the other part of the transaction. Money exchanges hands, but so does contact information, you know, Instagram, stuff like that. And the collectors, even just this weekend that I met, oh my gosh, now I'm going to bump into this guy in Chicago. That's really cool. You know, I established to him if he ever sees blank X, Y, and Z reach out to me. I'll, you know, I'd love to make a deal with you if you find any of this kind of stuff. And then you start to really get that network of people out there who know what you want and you know what they want, and then you can help each other out. And that's um, been the super fulfilling part of this the whole thing for me, I guess I'll say. So um, I love that. And also like, I feel like, and this is just feel there. I don't have any data to support this, but I feel <laughs> like the dealers who do a really good job are the ones that aren't always casting a wide net, but they hit their network because they have information about specific people and they know that they're collectors and they know if they get a card, they've got a, a buyer. And so keeping that like list going um, and making sure that you always know the people that if you need to sell something, where to go. I think th to me, those are the dealers. I can feel it when I'm interacting and they mm -hmm. slide into my DMs and they say, I got this card. I know you want it like, and I'm buying it. So that stands out to me, but I, I'd love to know about this a hundred slab deal. That's unique. That's <laughs> something that doesn't happen every day. What was that situation? Like, what was that scenario? Like talk a little bit about that. Yeah. It's, it's a relationship. So this is a guy who has come to me before, right? I had mentioned just now a second ago about the grading. Um, I absolutely, and you, you're thinking me saying first time probably, Oh, he, cause he can make money off it. Well, it's actually not that like, so I don't enjoy ripping boxes. Funny enough, I never did it as a kid. So I have no interest with Pokemon and stuff. My parents, you know, not that we were poor growing up, but they were pretty deep, stingy. I don't know what you'd call it, right? It was, well, don't buy that. You know, we'll go to a garage sale and go find a hundred cards and you can, you know, buy those. So I don't have that kind of, um, let's say, uh, like, what do you call it? Like gambling mentality with the breaking, but I do with the grading. It's so fun and fulfilling for me. So I, I mean, you'd be, if you saw my room right now, you would just be like, what's wrong with this dude? But I, I send probably 500 to a thousand cards a month. And I just love it's therapy for me, getting them ready, finding them on eBay, saving the searches, sending them in. And then, you know, getting them back is just a thrill. And I, you know, you touched on it earlier, I started making YouTube videos and the biggest thing I've shared um, is just grading reveals. So I felt like there's not a lot of content for that out there. And it's something I love watching. And there's a couple guys, you know, I'll shout out Elite Co3. If you look him up on YouTube, does a phenomenal job. He just says old football, consistently old football the whole time. And, you know, I've just done legends and it's crazy amount of people that comment and say like, oh, I never knew this that existed. You inspired me to go buy this. Well, that's cool. I hope I inspired you and didn't influence you because I don't want you to like just buy it because you feel like it's cool because I'm doing it. 
But a lot of people, I'm amazed out when people are like, I didn't even know this that existed, but I love this player. That's cool. You're sharing that. And that's been a fun, fulfilling part of YouTube. Um, to tie back to your question, uh, when you grade that many, you know, when you have that many coming in, uh, you have to be willing to move stuff when the opportunity arises. So I have this dealer who has bought from me before, you know, he comes up and just is very, I, I like him because he's very straightforward. He says, you know, you have about a hundred different slabs in here. I'd like between Kobe Bryant and, you know, Tom Brady, LeBron James, stuff like that. They're between, you know, 20 to $40. Would you do 18 a piece? And, you know, I do the math in my head. Okay. I graded them for 18, bought them on average for like two, three bucks. These are the nines or eights. I didn't hit on them. Right. I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, that's, that's good to me. Cause I'll go grade them again and get that. There's some utility in it for me of the getting them back. I mean, there's some value I'll give up just to have a chance to go grade more cards. And, you know, when we talk about Peyton, I'm sure we'll touch on that in a second. But um, if you see my collection on Instagram, 95% I graded myself, which is so addicting to me because it's like they're my like, babies, right? Like <laughs> I found them on eBay. I saved the search or I bought them at a show. And then, you know, I got them ready. I sent them off. I waited that whole time to get them back. And then now they mean so much to me. I hold on to them. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of been it for me. And that, that deal, like I said, was pretty simple. It's just a price point thing. And the fact that I could go do what I just did again, I know I can get the cards I know I can grade again. So I might as well, you know, move some of them to him and keep going. So. So when you're buying, when you're sending 500 to a thousand cards, so I thought I had it bad. I I'm, I'm like, I got like, I actually like him. I'm getting a little bit of anxiety right now because it's the first time in like two years that I don't have an active order at PSA (laughs) because all my stuff came back. But now I've got my box right next to me of raw cards that I just need to go through the process and get the sub in again, which is it's nowhere near 500 to a thousand. But when you're sending that volume to PSA to get graded, what is your buying process like on eBay? I mean, like, Obviously, too, you probably get some cards. Like, are you are you saving sellers? Like, talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that whole experience because I would imagine, like, not everything you come that comes back your way, like, is a hit for grading. Maybe it yeah. is, but yep. just share some insights since you're doing a lot of volume. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's a really, really good question. It's 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 a lot of creativity. I try every avenue. So at shows like this this weekend, I found a dude who had Michael Jordan cards. Uh, raw cards, nothing graded, obviously raw cards uh, between one to $5. I picked out a, no, it was like 60 of them for $120. That's an immediate, okay, 60. I'll, I'll check them over for grading. They don't all work. Right. I'm, I'm assuming, I always assume like about half will qualify from, you know, my book, what my threshold is. Uh, so a lot of it's card shows, stuff like that. I um, mean, you know, I probably get maybe a hundred a month from card shows. And it's, it's funny because, you know, I, I, my, if you look on Instagram, my collection is a lot of like, you'd imagine like higher end stuff, right? It's a lot of numbered stuff. Um, but I have so much fun going through dollar boxes. That's where a lot of this stuff comes from. And the sets are great. If again, if you take a look at what I deal in mostly it's older stuff that people never graded and now people want, but they never graded it. And it's not overly rare. It's just, you know, some of these tops, Kobe Bryant or SP authentic, Tom Brady, like just listing some sets here, they're plentiful. They're out there and they grade pretty well. Um, but no one ever graded them. So it's really fun. Now you can get that kind of in circulation. People will want every year of the SP authentic or Brady, for instance, stuff like that. So yeah, a lot from shows, a lot from eBay and I do save sellers. So I'll find guys who list huge lots or they list, you know, a hundred cards a week and I'll just bid on 50 of them and win 30, right. And stuff like that. And then comc.com is obscenely underrated. Uh, shout out to them uh, because you don't pay shipping. You buy your cards, they store in a warehouse and when you're ready, you ship them to yourself. So if you're listening, it's like, oh, that sounds kind of fun. I grade, you know, maybe, um, you know, it's probably not the same players as me per se, but if you have a player, you like, You'd be amazed if you look on that site what you can find. I mean, they have quantity of anything. 
And, you know, if you find a set you like and you think would be fun for grading, I think you should check it out. So it's a lot of time. Um, you know, I spend most of my time probably in the hobby. I mean, looking for cards, prepping cards, but it doesn't feel like time to me because I enjoy it so much. If you don't enjoy grading, trust me, you're not going to like this, <laughs> but I, I really do. So that's, that's why I do it. So um, I love this getting in the nitty gritty. I, I feel like at, maybe back to the show thing. I feel like so much of the narrative about the hobby and the current state comes from online speculation of people saying this is the way it's going or it's going to go because prices are doing X, Y, and Z. And then people get spun up. But I, I always find like the people who are going to shows, who are setting up at shows, who are at shows every weekend or every other weekend, really have a strong pulse about like the current state of the hobby and what's happening, um, having those in-person conversations. Um, I'm curious, like you go to a lot of shows, like what do you think that, what do you think about what's happening at, at in the hobby right now that's like positive and maybe like, maybe not so good? Like what are some of the things that you're seeing just by attending shows regularly? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, so I will say for me, um, and this may be just my experience, it's a tale of two stories. So um, I will say Midwest Monster was awesome. I heard from a lot of people, it was a little slower on, let's say, you know, Friday, for instance, it was a little slower, right? And I wasn't at the first one, so I don't know if that's the case. Um, I was at a bigger show this weekend too, still felt it, you know, a little slower and made some cool deals, but it is a little slower moving around. But I will say people are just as excited as ever about cards. Um, the price point of what they're buying seems to have slipped, right? I'm not selling as many showcase cards, but I mentioned I try to encompass everything. So someone who comes to my table, there's something for them. Uh, so I get a lot more people buying the 20, 30, $40 cards because they still want a Michael Jordan card. They just can't buy the, you know, $150 PSA 10. They'll go buy the $40 PSA 9, right? Uh, so that's the biggest thing I've seen. And then, um, so I actually, I'm sure we'll touch on this. I run a show in central Wisconsin and up by me, that's where I, I'll, I'll say it's a tale of two stories because up here, there's no LCSs. There's just this, you know, couple handful of shows within a, let's say hundred mile radius, 150 mile radius. And these shows have been as busy as ever. And I think a lot of it's just the fact that we don't have overload over here. I mean, there is shows in the state, um, but in this region, there's like, you know, two to three shows for three months that are an option for people. So I think just with so many shows going on with, um, you know, I think people just with finances situations going on with gas, more expensive, people are just being more selective. Um, but again, up here, it's just, it's been surprising. I'm really surprised. I think it's because we, we live in the middle of nowhere, nothing better to do. Might as well go to a card show. Right. So uh, that's been some part of it as well. Uh, talk about the show then that you put on, like, how did that get started? What were the, was it just because of the there there was no shows and you were like I we need to plant a flag here and I'm going to be the one to do it? Uh, talk a little bit about just your experience and kicking starting that show and maybe share some info, plug it so if anyone's in the yeah. area that they <laughs> yeah, can we'll show up. It. Right, you best believe I'm going to plug it. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I mentioned to go back to my origin story. We'll say for cards. I was in Michigan. I uh, graduated college. Lived there for two years. Uh, didn't look like things were going to go back person. Um, again, auto industry. I work in the office though, not like manufacturing. I'm an engineer. Um, so this day I'm now still remote. So I moved back to Wisconsin because I was like, I'm done sitting here. I'm not meeting anybody, you know, we're not going into the office. All my family's in Wisconsin. At that point, uh, we had just gotten married. We were in Michigan for three months and it was difficult for her being away from family. And, you know, uh, kind of in that spot where she has passed her nursing exam and it's like, you know, do we settle down here or go back home? Uh, so we ended up going back home and very, very glad we did. When I got back, you know, I went from Detroit where there's a show every single weekend, every month to here where I couldn't find one within a, let's say even 
150 miles. So a two and a half hour drive. There was not a single show outside of like, there's one in Marshall, Wisconsin, which is a great one. They do it every three weeks, three months. Um, and that was it. So I was like, man, I had this outlet where I was meeting all these people. It was so fun. And now I just restructure my life and I have none of that. I thought about it a little bit because I'm a big proprietor of like, don't complain about it, do something about it. Right. So I, so I, so I looked around and like, I was looking at the different cities, you know, I'm from Pittsville, Wisconsin, which is a very small town. If you look it up 800 people, that's, you know, where we live today, where my show is is Stevens point, Wisconsin. So I picked a city that was pretty local. It was near Appleton. These are bigger metropolitan areas. If you're familiar with uh, Wisconsin at all. And I wanted to start one because I just felt like, man, I know there's collectors here. There has got to be, I mean, there isn't not collectors anywhere in the country you go. There's going to be people who like cards, right? So I reached out to a couple of venues when I first started. And again, shout out to Jenna because she was my wife, super supportive of the fact of like, go, go just set one up. Like you can do it, you know? And I was just always overthinking it. So I did it and found a good venue, a nice Elks Lodge, just local, local spot that was fair on pricing because I didn't, you know, it's hard when you set up something like this because you don't want your expectations to be too high. You know, I was like, oh, 20 tables would still be fun. You know, you'd still have a good time, meet people. Um, but so I set up my first at the beginning of this year. So it's been almost a year and we had 65 tables and I could not even believe it. Like, it was just crazy. I did a good job. I'd like to think I did a good job advertising on Facebook, you know, paying for ads, stuff like that. Um, but the community up here is just insane in Stevens point, Wisconsin. So if you can ever make it to a show, I'd highly recommend it. It has been so much fun running it because I mean, compared to the big shows that up here, like there was just like 90% is kids with parents or like, you know, the random people who just love cars and it's so refreshing. So if you are in a bigger area and you have a chance to go to some of the smaller shows, I mean, I'll plug that too. I think it's a totally different atmosphere. I think you'd be really refreshed by going to some of these because the conversations you have are so different. People aren't as plugged into the hobby. They just love the cards. Um, so it's been so fun and just the connections you make. So yeah, it's been really good. Our next one is December 17th. Um, so if you're in the area and want to swing up, come say hi. Now that's where we'll have it. So you can find it on Instagram. I, I post a link or stories. If you follow me on there, you'll see about it. So that's awesome. I know it's only been a year, but is there any uh, significant stories of cards, even though it's small, 60 tables, things that you've seen at that show? And you're like, I can't believe that thing's here right now. Yeah. So I think, so I think my friend Sam, who I met from the show listens, I'm not sure. Uh, but so it's funny when I was chasing Peyton's 2002 to 2004 tops for scene refractors, I was going for the base refractors that are. Um, they vary, but like most of them are out of 99 and the golds are out of, um, I'm messing this up, but anyway, the numbering, I can't think it's of. confusing. It's confusing. It's out of 99 for the refractors. And some of the golds are 150. Some are also yeah. not kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I was looking for this one it was 2003 gold. He had one sitting at the show in middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. Like I was saying, and it's just crazy that you find this card just in there that you really want. And ultimately we didn't make a deal because, you know, he loved the card and that's, that's totally fine. I ended up finding one myself. But it's funny because then he went and graded it, got a 10. I only have a nine. I'm still chasing after. <laughs> Every time I see him, I'm like, okay, I don't quite have a card that you want to trade for, but I'm going to get one and make this deal happen eventually. Um, so that, that's kind of a funny one for me. But you'd be surprised, again, what you find. I mean, there's people who have come and all this out of the woodwork, like literally from a super small town up here, have never set up at a show in 30 years. And that's been refreshing too, hearing that. You have these guys that set up up here, like they're like 60, 70, 80 years old have never set up a show, but they've collected since they were 30 or 20, right? Or kids. And they're coming and setting up and the stuff they pull out, you just can't even fathom. And like, you know, it's funny because there's a lot of lines of like, I can't even keep up with you guys. All these kids are running around trying to buy these cards for me and I don't even know the value. And they're telling me that <laughs> it's just like, 
yeah, you got to come a little more prepared next time. Maybe. No, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, it, it's it's been super fun. I have millions of stories like that. If you ever catch me on a show and want to ask. Awesome. Maybe let's close it out with this, uh, talking a little bit about what you, you oh, obviously a lot of cards enter your hemisphere, um, especially with the volume that you buy and then you're grading. You've kind of settled in focusing in on Brady and Manning refractors, which is kind of near and dear to my heart. Um, maybe talk a little bit about like, how did you shrink the hobby C to then go focus in on those two lanes primarily, primarily, and then maybe like, what are some of your current favorite cards that you own? Yeah. So, uh, another good question. Um, when card price kind of went crazy, I had up to that point, actually I'd collected Kobe Bryant. That's what I'd say was my quote unquote PC, but I felt so disingenuous because I was buying and then selling. I'd buy them and post, look at this card. Oh my gosh. And then I'd sell it. And it was, it felt so wrong, but it, it, I'm not saying that against anybody because you do have to do that if you don't have a bankroll of infinite funds, right? I had to do that for a long time. I had to buy cards and sell them before I could get to this point where now I can actually keep cards, right? And I feel and allow me to continue to go buy them. Uh, so when that happened, the value went down. I realized I really wasn't as attached to these cards as I thought I was. Um, and it was a little more of the dollar sign that I was seeing when I looked at them. And then when it went down, um, I'm totally stealing. Someone quoted this last week, but it's the same thing. When you look at it, you see the dollar sign. So then when that happened, you know, I kind of reevaluated. I was like, okay, well, why did I even start with basketball? I, I, I'm such a football person. I've always watched football. It's fantasy football was like my life in junior high and high school. I just loved it. So I went back to the drawing board and was like, okay, no, I need to find some sort of legend. Like who's equivalent to Kobe? Who's equivalent to Jordan, but maybe in football. Um, and you know, not exact comparisons. Right. But to me, it was Jordan's Brady and Peyton somewhere around a Kobe, right? Like not quite the best ever, but right up there as, you know, completely important for the game and history. So that's how I kind of settle on those guys. And then the refractor part of it was, uh, for whatever reason, I just, I, I don't, I'm not super into patches and autos, just never been my thing. And I knew this time I didn't want to force it. So I just started um, with the refractors and I, the reason for it too, and I, I'm realizing as I'm saying this was because I was looking for stuff to grade. I mentioned that I wanted to be able to buy these cards raw and then grade them for myself. Um, and refractors, you actually have shots at tens. They're not thick cards. You you know, you can hit tens. Um, so my first order, I remember I bought a couple of, you know, Brady, a couple Manning, Sent him off, was all excited because I knew you know, I sent like 20 cards, including other players. I was like, okay, I'll keep the best three or four cards I get here and then maybe see if I can start a collection. And I sent a 2002, I'll say this out again, Tops Racine, Peyton Manning, Gold Refractor. It was like a pop. It was zero or one at the time. I don't remember which. And I hit a 10 on it. It's like some crazy die cut edges. You know, I thought it was going to be like an eight. And I pulled a 10 out and that was my first order sending at like $50 a card. And I was just, my mind was blown. I was like, this is like a crazy start to a collection actually. Cause I don't know anyone who has one of these. I've, you know, I follow some of these guys on Instagram, never seen one of these. That kind of kickstarted the Paul Payton train and the Brady train, just that part of thing. And I do like how, um, again, I, they'll never go away. They're always gonna be relevant, but I will say there's such a dichotomy between players like Brady. You see so much still flipping cards pop up all the time. And now I'm actually like kind of leery of buying stuff because, um, you know, you just see the same cards going for auction over and over again. I'm like, damn, these are out of 25. How is there three popping up in two months? Like I, I, you know, I thought I was buying these rare and scarce cards, but I think they're not in the right hands yet. I think mm -hmm. still in people's hands who don't care about the players or care about the sets or don't want to keep them. Whereas Peyton, I think it's the opposite. I think they've been in the hands of people who want them for a long time. And I've seen like you just, and you know, more than me even probably, you cannot find some of these cards. I mean, they are just, they're out of 50, they're out of 99, they're out of 25. You will never see, they will never see light of day. And it's, you got to go hunting for them. 
Um, so I guess maybe close with that. Peyton is so fun because you have to go hunt for them. Nobody's letting them go. And I think it's such a blast. And um, again, a good guy to collect. It's been so fun. Amazing stuff. You can find him on Instagram, Carlson Cards. Austin, it was awesome to hear from you, learn about your show experience and a little bit about your collecting. Go check out, what was the date on that? December 17th? Yeah, December 17th, uh, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. And you can find it on Facebook or message me on Instagram. I'll post some ads to leading up to the show. If you're in the Midwest, make sure you have an SUV with four-wheel drive. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, actually, right. Yeah, it might be snow. <laughs> uh, man, thanks so much. It was fun chatting. Uh, I'll have to talk to you again soon. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Nice, nice talk. Thanks. That is a good brother in the hobby. Always enjoy connecting with Austin. Go check out his page at Carlson Cards. If you're in the Wisconsin area, go check out his show at Stevens Point. It'll be a good one. He's a good dude. Go check out his stuff. You take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We'll be back. More stacking slabs on the other side. Peace out.